Welcome guys to the Trying Podcast. My name is Nanini and on this podcast I'll be sharing with you the steps that I'll be taking to try and get over my fears and get out of my comfort zone. Hi, it's Tuesday, August 1st. And so today I've delayed in recording today's episode. I'm recording at 7, hence why I'm kind of whispering, but I hope um, it's audible. So today's recording is titled, Prepare. Um, I've heard this, for, this, this word for a while now, but from the first episode of this season, I remember knowing very well that God wants me to prepare and earlier today I didn't know exactly what I was going to talk about you know like I know I'm supposed to prepare for something specific on this end and another thing on this end but I don't know how it ties all together and also it's not like um I, sh- I should share everything right So when it comes to the topic prepare, specifically what I'm going to be studying right now, I have some notes. At least this evening I've I've taken the time to write some notes. So I don't think this episode will be long. It won't be long, but I have like understanding of what I'm supposed to prepare. So, um... I started by writing down this verse. This was yesterday. I think this was yesterday. Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21. This was the the Bible verse of the day yesterday. And I think it tied to like, because yesterday I was still thinking about this topic. Like, okay, God, I understand something when it comes to that. I understand a small part of what you're trying to tell me when it comes to prepare but I don't know where to start because you know when I'm recording for a study I can't just be sharing unrelated things it needs to make sense at least I need I need to I've learned that I need to find ways to explain myself during these studies, I've, I've, I've learned to explain my thoughts. Not, I'm not the best. <laughs> Actually, I don't even think I'm close to like a 50%. But before, it was very hard for me to explain my thought process. So that's what I'm saying. I know without, if I was not going to be studying this, I would kind of know what god is telling me when it comes to prepare but during the studies it helps because it helps me think through my the little that i know already and flesh it out and and i i find that also god continues to speak to me when i'm studying to expound on things and reveal some things so it's helpful so in today's study I'm going to start by reading Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21. So yesterday I was thinking like, oh, what is this? Like, I don't know where to start. And when I read the 
Bible verse of the day, I was like, this is, this is a part of what I understand this preparation to mean. Um, in this season, it's like I've been following some threads, right? I've been following some, some threads. So it's still in the, the preparation messages, prepare messages still in line with those threads that I've been following, the getting active, being ready, God's word, the God's word that gets attacked whenever he speaks. So we need to prepare ourselves to be ready. Um, also, when it comes to fruitfulness and fertility and um, <clears throat> union between the husband and the the bridegroom and the bride and God, the connection with all those. Also, when it comes to being crowned, the crowned man, and that being tied to um, the Sabbath, rest, but that also being tied to um, like... Um, like the the promised land where do we find rest in Christ but Christ is the promise the son of he is the promise he is the son of the promise he is our promised land the garden of Eden you know we find rest in God's presence so all these things are tied together and then I started studying about the woman and some threads that I've been seeing and it fleshed out like fleshing out the two women the slave woman and the free woman the virtuous woman and the wayward woman the virgin and the prostitute all these things right and then um, I've been sharing also some of my dreams some parts of my dreams when it comes to like like when I was studying about fruitfulness and the pomegranate and I had these dreams about pomegranate actually before the study I had the dreams before the study and I think one of the I don't know if one of the uh, let me actually google not google let me search on my thread this personal thread pomegranate want to see the dream that I had whether it was before the study so I studied I studied it's a great okay May 29th May 29th um so when was this May 4th, okay, so I studied Orchard of the Pomegranates on, on, oh gosh, I'm trying to scroll through and see, okay, May, May 2nd, May 2nd, that's when I uploaded Orchard of Pomegranates, and then, before that, I had a dream about pomegranates, and after that study I also had a dream about pomegranates and it was that's why I'm scrolling down on May 29th now let me read this dream it's tied to what I'm going to read in Ephesians 
and it's tied to this study about fruitfulness and what God wants me to prepare for, right? So May 29th, this is a dream I also shared in one of my previous episodes. Um, May 29th, 2023, dreamt today of a huge, huge pomegranate tree with very, in caps, very large ripe pomegranates. Very large pomegranates. Then I, in quotes, won or got a chance in the dream to ask for whatever I wanted. And the only thing I asked for was to own the tree. The huge pomegranate tree. And I was given the tree. I owned it. All the large ripe pomegranates in brackets which looked like kind which kind of looked like apples in the dream were mine. All mine. So that's the dream I, I that's the dream. I dreamt of a huge, huge pomegranate tree. Like a very thick with a huge with a thick, you know, like those old baobab trees that have a thick like the thickest trunk it was a huge tree it was a huge tree and i could clearly see they were pomegranates but they also looked like apples like the red the red apples but i knew they were pomegranates but the pomegranates were so big and then later by the way later after studying the orchard of pomegranates that's when I googled to see how pomegranates grow and I was expecting to see like a big thick tree. Turns out it's like an apple tree. It's like, it's, a, it, it's not like a, a mango tree, you know, like the huge mango trees. It's like an apple tree. So, so this dream is not specifically about pomegranates. I believe God is talking to me about fruitfulness and fertility the fertile land fertile womb <clears throat> fruitfulness right and in this dream i got a chance to ask for whatever i wanted after i quote unquote won something because i remember it was like because i succeeded in something i then got a chance to ask for whatever I wanted and all I asked for was to own the tree I wanted to own that tree that huge pomegranate tree and just like that it was given to me just like that I remember saying like in the dream being like yo just it is that it's that simple I own it now it's mine because I uh, I've written I woke up um, this is one, one of five p.m. That's when I wrote down the dream. I remember waking up and being like, "Wow, I should write this down." <laughs> okay, with that dream, having read that dream, let me read Ephesians chapter three, verse twenty to twenty-one. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask. Or think according to the power at work within us. 
to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. So I've just read what I wrote down. I haven't gone to the actual Bible app to read because I understand this context and stuff like that. But I don't want to be. I don't want to read a, a lot. Like I don't have that much time, and I don't know how long I can take to whisper to to record while I'm whispering because I'm really straining my voice right now. Oh gosh, and so my tonsils. I don't know if I mentioned the previous episode. My 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 tonsils really really ran their course, right? So they got healed. The, it's like that car. It takes like I don't know two to three days for the tonsils to be healed. Okay, but even after that, my um what do you call this lymph node. On my right side. It started swelling, so I'm like, gosh, another thing. It was like one thing after the other after that. It's like I've been, quote unquote, sickly. It's sickly the word to use. It's like I've had an issue with my health for like some months now. It's like always when I'm recording, I have something, there's something up, and I'm I'm not I'm not I'm not usually this person who's sick. I'm. And it's not fun. I don't enjoy it. But at least the the the, um, the lymph node is... The swelling is going down. So I think it's also taking its course to like heal on its own. But man, I don't want to be, to be sick. I feel like it's high time. <laughs> my I get my health back. So anyway. So anyway. Um... I don't want to read like an entire chapter of a verse, the verse that I've written down because it will mean me talking more and straining my voice and I'm whispering right now. So I understand this context, but I've quoted this verse, Ephesians chapter 3 verse 20 to 21 specifically because it makes sense to the study today. Um, so I wrote this verse down yesterday. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the, ch- in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Then I wrote down in my notes yesterday, like, um, Yesterday I had written down very, I had written down very very um brief notes and they were like questions because I didn't have anything yesterday apart from this verse. So the other thing I wrote down was, we are supposed to prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ. Like what comes to mind when it comes to preparing, and from the studies that I've been studying, I understand that we're supposed to prepare ourselves as a bride of Christ because I remember reading Revelation 19 I think where the bride of Christ is clothed with righteousness let me jump to that verse and the righteous the fine linen that she's clothed with are her good deeds and I remember reading somewhere like she she prepared herself let me read um 
Revelation chapter 19 verse 7 Let us rejoice and exult and give him the glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his bride has made herself ready that's the part i remember has has prepared herself right and his bride has made herself ready how it was granted to her it, it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen bright and pure for the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints so we there's an expectation on us as the bride of christ to prepare ourselves and then i've written down christ also is preparing his bride right now i don't have a verse for that i know it's somewhere in the bible like i know this this okay 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 i have a verse okay i wanted to say like i haven't written down anything but ephesians 5 the, the verse that i always go to ephesians 5 from verse 21 about wives and husbands but let me read the one for husbands because i'm talking about how christ is <coughs> preparing his bride oh gosh my voice okay husbands love your wives as christ loved the church and gave himself up for her that he may that he might sanctify her having cleansed her this is how christ is preparing sanctify her having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word so that he might present the church to himself in splendor without spot or wrinkle or any such thing that she might be holy and without blemish now i'm reading esv but i've read this verse so many times right let me read in IV. I think the English is simpler. But uh, ESV, I'm just seeing some other things in ESV. But anyway, NIV, husbands love your wives just as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word and to present her to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless now i've read this verse so many times and I'm, and i keep mentioning that the way christ sanctifies us and cleanses us is through the holy spirit through the baptism of the holy spirit and today um like some hours ago i found this verse and i didn't i didn't know i had i had read this before but it's amazing that Ephesians has come to mind right now. But also, this verse is like, I think it's Titus chapter 3 verse... Verse what? Let me see. Let me go back to ESV because I had highlighted it in, in, in the ESV. Okay. So, um, Titus chapter 3 verse 4 to 6. Okay, NIV. What am I reading? I'm here to see like, you see the washing with water through the word? How we are sanctified by the Holy Spirit. We are washed by through the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. He's the, the, the eternal spirit. It's li literally this verse right here in Titus. So let me read Titus chapter 3 verse 4. 
But when the kindness and the love of our God, of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. You see, you're talking about, the, about Jesus. He saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. Right? So this is amazing because I'm just from reading how the bride of Christ is clothed, prepares herself by her good deeds. She clothes herself by her righteous deeds. But don't get it twisted. You're not saved by your good deeds. You're saved by Christ because of God's mercy. Christ saves you because of his mercy. You don't deserve it. It's grace. And when you are now in Christ already saved, then you produce the good fruit, the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Right? Okay. Let me continue. <clears throat> Let me continue reading. <clears throat> but when the kindness and the love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us, not because of righteous things we had done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, yeah, being born from above. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. So that's amazing. It's amazing. And the fact that that's, that's how Christ prepares us. He said he's not going to leave us as orphans. For the church to be built up, the Holy Spirit is the one who builds up the church. Oh, perfect. I think it's First Peter chapter 4. First Peter chapter Chapter 2, verse 4, chapter 4, verse 6. Second Peter. Second Peter. Okay. Second Peter doesn't have chapter 4. What is it? First Peter, chapter 2, verse 4. Okay. Yeah. First Peter, chapter 2, verse 4. I want to see, like, how Christ is preparing his bride, his church, his temple, his body. His body is his temple. We are members of his body, right? So who builds up the temple? Who is the one building the temple? Who is the one building the body of Christ? Who's the who's the one building the church? It's the Holy Spirit. First Peter chapter two verse four. Mm. Okay, chapter two verse four. As you come to Him, the living stone, rejected by humans but chosen by God and precious to Him, you also, like living stones are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. We are being built into a spiritual house. Who who is the who is a spirit that is in us that is building our spiritual house? The Holy Spirit. The spirit of God himself. So that's beautiful. So um, I wrote, I had written down, we prepare ourselves as the bride of Christ and also Christ is preparing 
his bride and then this question came to mind and um these are i'm just going through my two notes that i had written down and even after reading this again like we prepare ourselves as the bride of christ today i've written down some other notes in regards to that but i think i just let me just go with the with the um the timeline that i had written down these notes instead of jumping here and there so i asked myself after writing these short um bullet points like we prepare ourselves as the bride of christ and then christ is preparing his bride the next thing that came to mind was like okay when it comes to the virtuous woman because i've been studying <clears throat> about the virtuous woman the bride right in relation to the bride but specifically like the virtuous woman and i remember sarah so i asked myself Sarah is given an, is, as an example as the free woman in Galatians chapter 4. Let me jump to Galatians chapter 4. I didn't think I would read all these things. Galatians chapter 4 verse what? Verse what? Verse 21. But let me just um, share what I'm, to, I'm thinking about right now. And this is why I wrote down this point okay let me actually just read what i wrote down first and then explain myself i wrote down how was sarah the virtuous woman supposed to prepare for the son of the promise because again the topic today is prepare so like how did sarah prepare specifically for isaac yes because isaac was the promised son god had promised abraham a son but specifically when it comes to the narrative of the offspring, singular offspring, not the descendants, but singular offspring <clears throat> that was prophesied in Genesis chapter 3 to Eve, the offspring that kills the snake and is struck by the snake. Isaac was not struck by the snake. Like, it's, that's not Isaac. So when God um, prophesies and... and um, promises abraham that through him the offspring will come like god will bring the offspring through his descendants i was like okay so i see why in galatians chapter 4 paul is pointing to sarah as the free woman who gives birth to the son of the promise and points to hagar as a slave woman who gives birth to the son of the slave but he also says like this is figurative meaning there's an it's symbolic but it's pointing to a truth now the truth that i'm asking myself is i'm trying to understand i'm trying to understand this truth okay i agree sarah is seen as the virtuous woman huh Isaac also points to Christ as the son of the promise. But how does Sarah prepare? The same way the bride of Christ prepares herself for the bridegroom. How does Sarah prepare to, re to give birth? Because, again, <laughs> I should have asked myself, like, how does a pregnant woman prepare to give birth? Because I think that's... Oh, gosh. I've something has come to mind i had another dream that is related to this i don't know if i should share that one 
It's about giving birth. It was an intense one. I think I'll share it, but let me let me first finish finish what I'm talking about. I believe God is guiding me to understand that there will be a time of abundance coming, but also there will be a time of what's the opposite of abundance? Lack. And that is connected to a Bible story, a Bible narrative that I'm going to read today. That it hit me like, yo, this story, because I was going through like the pioneers that I had written down. And I read and I was like, Noah, okay, God tells Noah to prepare for the flood before God brings, God warns Noah beforehand that there will be a flood. And God tells Noah to warn the people, but then God specifically tells Noah to prepare. And I was like, okay, who else is told to prepare? And I remember Joseph. I remembered Joseph. Joseph was in a pit. He was in a dungeon from one pit to the next. And while he was there, he had mastered, if I can use that word, he had mastered the gift of interpreting dreams. He had gotten so well that that um, that he was called later to interpret the the king's pharaoh's dream and in those interpretation this was his way this is like the path that god had had prepared for joseph to get out of the pit this was his way out and god knew that joseph had spent in like Joseph knows me. Joseph trusts me. Because even every time Joseph was interpreting dreams, he gave all credit to God, saying, God is the one who, who, is interpret, who gives interpretations. It's not me. Even before Pharaoh, he was like, no, I, I am not the one who's going to interpret it for you. God is the one who's going to give the interpretation. So in as much as God has had gifted Joseph, the gift of interpreting dreams. Joseph knew that it was God who was working in him. Right? The same way like the Holy Spirit is the one who works in us to produce the fruit of the Holy Spirit, to heal, to prophesy, Joseph knew that it was the spirit of God working in him to interpret the dream. Even though he had mastered it, it's like, is it Joseph interpreting or is it God? It's both. God intentionally uses us. And he wants us to prepare. So anyway, through all this, <laughs> Nime end up Nime some other story. But in all this, God reveals the same way He warns, He warned Noah first about the flood and then told Noah to build the ark. 
Now God warns Pharaoh, who's a foreigner by the way. God warns Pharaoh, Pharaoh, about a famine. These are catastrophes, a flood and a famine. So God warns them in advance. He gives Pharaoh two, two dreams and Joseph says, the reason that you've been given these two dreams, one, they are the exact dream, meaning they mean the exact same, but God has given you two dreams to show you that he has made it very clear, like he's, he's for sure going to make this happen. So God warns Pharaoh in advance and Joseph's interpretation gets him a seat on the table at Pharaoh's nini, um, courtyard. I don't know what to say, like his space. Meaning, Joseph is taken from the pit to the palace. I didn't mean to like say it like that, but that's literally what happened. Right? <laughs> How did say he's taken from the dungeon to the dining room? Okay, that's too much. But my point is, there's something that God wants Joseph to do. God wants Joseph to prepare for the famine. But God says, first, the first thing, before the famine, before the famine, there will be plenty. There will be abundance. So there is abundance. There is fruitfulness. There is fertility in the land of the land. For seven years. And then after the seven years. There is another seven years of infertility. Of barrenness. Of death, of um, of famine, of of lack. Now, I'm not saying this is exactly what's going to happen to my life. <laughs> I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing, to be honest. The fact that there's seven years of fertility and fruitfulness, and then seven years of lack. But one thing I do know now, I might not know the future, but I do know now God is telling me to prepare. For a while now, God had, has been telling me to build, to build, right? Build the nest, build. But right now, like I know for a fact, there is a bad thing that is going to take place. Is, and again, when I talk about the birthing, I've been studying this conception and childbearing um, way that the Bible talks about it, right? So it's, it's not literal physical giving birth. It's the bearing fruit, bearing, bearing fruit. And so God wants me to prepare in advance for that abundance. But at the same time, since I'm not in the Garden of Eden, 
I'm not in the promised land yet. Like I'm not in in the new heaven and the new earth. I'm still living as an exile, as a foreigner in the world. We are not of this world. But we are in the world. But we are not of the world. We are foreigners. We are exiles. We are, um, what do you call them? People that pass. Um, people are like, that are just passing from this place to this place. So Jonas, right? This is not my home. I'm a citizen of God's kingdom. God's heavenly kingdom. So I already know that even the plenty that's going to come, it's not going to be until I die. Meaning I will there will be ups and downs in my life. The same way even in Joseph's narrative, God promised seven years. There's a period of abundance. And God in advance is telling them to prepare prepare build storehouses build storehouses to store during this time of plenty don't misuse what you ha- what you what don't misuse the fruit keep the seeds keep the grain store the grain store the seeds so that you you can plant them at a later time you know what i mean God wants me to prepare. Now that preparation process. Of course I don't know everything. But I'm just saying. I asked myself. I remember asking myself. How was Sarah the virtuous woman. Supposed to prepare. For the son of the promise. Now Sarah was barren. Right. God had not. Um, we are told like she she mentioned how God um, did not give her a child. I don't know how to say that. She she says like God has stopped me from having children, or I don't know. God has something. She says something. Of course, we all know it's God who gives and God. It's God who takes. Doesn't mean that. It doesn't mean that um, the devil has no hand in it. Meaning God does allow. God is in control. Meaning he allows for things to happen. Right? He doesn't want to harm us. That's the one thing. When, you, when Knowing God's character. Knowing that he wants good for me and he doesn't want to harm me. Right? I'm just from reading Ephesians chapter 3 verse 2021. Now to him, to God, who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we can ask or think according to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. That's the a God who wants to love, who wants to share his love, wants us to share in his love. To share in his peace. That's the God that I serve. And he's powerful. Meaning he allows for things to happen. And he also causes things to happen. 
those things those two things can exist at the same time he is powerful enough to cause something to happen and he is powerful enough to allow something to happen meaning if he can allow something to happen he can also um most opposite of allowing not allow something to happen protect you from something so this same god is telling me to prepare because he has been speaking about sabbath he has been speaking about rest he has been speaking about fertility and bearing fruit now knowing I'm not ignorant of the world that I live in and the world doesn't seem to be getting better day by day. People are continuously being more selfish and more prideful and it's all about me me me, right? We don't love others. We are less loving. We are less tolerant. Yeah. Many claim to be tolerant and inclusive, but we are human beings. We are not. On that today's verse, today is the verse of the day. This is God. In Luke chapter six, verse twenty. When I say this is God, I mean this is the God that I serve, who's telling me this. I'm talking about tolerance and inclusivity and loving, right? Luke chapter six, verse twenty-seven to twenty-eight. But I. But I say to you, this is Jesus, I think, yeah? Yeah, this is Jesus. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who abuse you. Now, in this world that is shouting for tolerance and inclusiveness and love, is this how they live? They don't love their enemies. They cancel their enemies. They make sure they tear down their enemies. They don't do good to those who hate them. They seclude them and call them names. Label them. They don't bless those who curse them. They don't pray for those who abuse them. So if I'm looking at the side that is the inclusive side the side that is the tolerant side it's the side it's god's side because in the last episode i remember reading moses asking the people of israel after they had um built this calf and performed all these sexual things at the campsite and worshiped this calf he asked he told them who is on the lord's side if you're on the lord's side separate yourself come out revelation 19 i think 18 come out of her come out of babylon come out of her right so This God that I serve 
is telling me to not be like the world. To actually, he's telling me to love him and in extension to love my neighbor as I love myself. Meaning, understanding God's love and sharing in God's love, then I learn how to share that same love with my neighbor. My neighbor includes my enemy. So that was something I wanted to, I saw like, oh, that's connected to the verse of the day. So anyway, back to the study. I still, I still don't think I have an actual answer when it comes to this question I wrote down. How was Sarah, the virtuous woman, supposed to prepare for the son of the promise? Right? In connection, like, in connection, in regards to the virtuous woman and Sarah giving birth to the son of the promise, Eve comes to mind. I would not call, it's very hard for me to see Eve as a virtuous woman. But because even Sarah is not perfect, why should, why should I not call Eve the virtuous woman? But is there a point where we see Eve mentioned as a virtuous woman? I think that's why I am not jumping on on calling Eve the virtuous woman just yet. I don't know. Because Eve represents every, every female, including Sarah. Right? It's not like Eve disobeyed every time. <laughs> but at the same time, she, I don't know. I don't know. But I do see a connection between Eve and Sarah because they're both, by both I mean they're the same woman who are giving birth to the offspring, the son of the promise. Eve is promised that through her, the offspring will be born. Sarah is also promised that through her, the offspring, the son of the promise will be born. I was going to read Galatians chapter 4 verse 21. This is Paul speaking. Tell me, you who want to be under the law, are you not aware of what the law says? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by the slave woman and the other by the free woman. His son by the slave woman was born according to the flesh. But his son by the free woman was born as a result of divine promise. These things are being taken figuratively. The women represent two covenants. One covenant is from Mount Sinai and bears children who are to be slaves. This is Hagar. Now Hagar stands for Mount Sinai in Arabia and corresponds to the present city of Jerusalem. Because she is in slavery with her children. I can simply interchange that with corresponds to the present city of Babylon. Because she is in slavery with her children. Like my point is the city being seen in the feminine nature. A city that bears children. A woman that as children so anyway this is a narrative i've been following through the throughout the previous episodes 
verse 26 but the jerusalem there's another jerusalem there are two jerusalems the present city jerusalem meaning the earthly city jerusalem that city is in slavery with her children but there's another jerusalem jerusalem from above verse 26 but the jerusalem that is above is free and she is our mother meaning we are the children she has born she has given birth to now this makes sense when it comes to what jesus was telling nick john chapter 3 this is jesus and nicodemus right now there was a pharisee a man named nick who was a member of the jewish ruling council he came to jesus at night and said rabbi we know that you are a teacher who has come from god for no one could perform the signs you are doing if God were not with him. Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. How can someone be born when they are old? Nick asked. Surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born. Why am I here? I'm just from reading that there are two cities, two women, the free woman, the slave woman, the the free Jerusalem that is from above and the slave Jerusalem, enslaved Jerusalem that is the earthly city. Now Jesus is talking about being born, the children that are born from these women. You can either be born from the earthly Jerusalem, Jerusalem, earthly Jerusalem will be your mother, meaning you're a, an, a child of, you're an enslaved child. Or you can be born from the Jerusalem that is from above. That Jerusalem is your mother, meaning you're free. You're the son of the promise. You are the son of the promise. You're the offspring of the Jerusalem from above. Now Jesus explains this to Nick and says, Jesus answered, because Nick has asked, How can someone be born when they are old? Nicodemus asked, surely they cannot enter a second time into their mother's womb to be born? Jesus answered, very truly I tell you, no one can enter the kingdom of God unless they are born of water and the spirit. Flesh gives birth to flesh, right? But the spirit gives birth to spirit. You should not be surprised at my saying you must be born again. The wind blows wherever it pleases. You hear its sound, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it is going. So it is with everyone born of the Spirit. Is this part where Jesus says, be born? Okay, I had read verse 3. Let me reread verse 3 again. Because I'm talking about being born from above, the Jerusalem that is born from above. John chapter 3 verse 3, Jesus replied, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again. The word born again, there is a footnote. The Greek for again also means from above. So I can read this, that in that Jesus is saying, Very truly I tell you, no one can see the kingdom of God unless they are born again or unless they are born from above. You see, this is exactly what Paul is talking about. 
about the Jerusalem that is from above? How do we even know? That is Jesus, Paul, and I'm going to see um, John, John the Apostle in Revelation chapter 21. Yes, Revelation chapter 21. We are seeing about this Jerusalem that is born from above. Verse 1, Revelation 21 verse 1. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city. The new Jerusalem coming down. It's not earthly Jerusalem. This city is coming from above. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God. Prepared. Oh, perfect. <laughs> They've used the word prepared. <laughs> okay. Okay. Nice. So I'm not Sijaditwasana. I'm still on track. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem. Coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. That's all I'm going to read. Yeah. So that's amazing. That's amazing. And again, I'm coming back to this question. How was Sarah, the virtuous woman, supposed to prepare herself for the son of the promise when it comes to giving birth to the son of the promise? Now, I'm not, I think... I'm not making things up when I say this is also talking about preparing to give birth. Okay, I'm seeing this diamond in different, um, what do you call those two sides of the diamond? I'll call them sides. There's a spiritual aspect of God telling me, okay, everything is spiritual, but I'm just talking about like God is telling me to prepare for a birth. God is telling me that they'll be, I'll conceive spiritually and then I'll give birth. Conceiving, God is telling me right now, Nanini, you're conceiving. But you need to understand that you will eventually come full term and you will give birth the same way a tree eventually bears fruit. You are. You will give birth. You will give birth. So you need to prepare for that child or those children. You need to prepare, right? That's spiritually. I'm seeing that side of that diamond, right? Where it's spiritually. God is telling me there's something that's happening in the, in the spirit that's connected to what is going to happen in the physical when it comes to giving birth. And that's why I am showing even in the Bible... Jesus, because I'm a member of the body of Christ, the church. Is there a place where Jesus tells his disciples, the members of his body, that they're about to give birth? Yes. I think it's John chapter what? <laughs> I forgot. John chapter what? Let me think, let me think. Or is it Matthew? Okay, let me just... Uh, Oh man, can I let me Google in my thread what did I search? 
giving birth. I know it's going to give me my dream. It's going to. But let me see if giving birth will bring anything. Jesus stuck into his disciples tells him. Oh perfect. John chapter 16. Verse 20 to 22. There's something I've written down here. What have I written down? Oh. Okay. Okay. Oh yeah. Okay. This is about the dream. Okay. 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 I don't know if I'll read this. But let me read John chapter 16. Verse 20 to 22 first. But I've literally opened that part about the dream giving birth John chapter 16 Jesus telling his disciples who are men so of course he's not talking about physical birth this is spiritual so Jesus tells his disciples 16 to 19 Jesus saw that they wanted to ask him about this so he said to them are you asking one another what I meant when I said in a little while you will see me no more and then after a little while you will see me very truly I tell you, you will weep and mourn while the world rejoices. You will grieve, but your grief will turn to joy. A woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy that a child is born into the world. So with you, now is your time of grief. The same way Joseph's time of grief was his time in the dungeon, in the pit. But he was about to give birth spiritually. Meaning, he was about to go from the pit to the palace. He was about to experience the joy. Now for the disciples, Jesus is saying, now is your time of grief. But I will see you again and you will rejoice and no one will take away your joy. In that day, you will no longer ask me anything. Very truly, I tell you, my father will give you whatever you ask in my name. Until now, you have not asked for anything in my name. Ask and it will be given. Ask and you will receive and your joy will be made complete. <coughs> okay. I think I'm going to pause there. I'm not going to read everything. But you see, Jesus is speaking in a way to show that there's something that's going to happen to his disciples. And he uses the analogy. See, it's an analogy. Analogy of a woman experiencing birth pains. But those birth pains means that she's about to give birth. Now, it's very interesting that the Holy Spirit is is mentioned as the holy seed i think it was in isaiah i came across it in isaiah and i've never forgotten about that part because who conceived jesus does that make sense yeah the holy seed overshadowed mary the seed overshadowed mary I'm not talking about a plant seed or a human sperm, male sperm. I'm talking about Jesus is. You see how Jesus tells Nicodemus, you must be born of the flesh and also born of the spirit. Jesus is already born of the spirit. 
and because he came out of a woman he was born of the flesh flesh gives birth to flesh that Jesus is human fully man but also spirit gives birth to spirit Jesus is fully spirit and which spirit gave birth to Jesus if I can use that word which spirit brought forth Jesus the Holy Spirit Jesus is fully man and fully God now Jesus tells us that that same spirit is in us he has put that same spirit that same holy seed in us and that same holy spirit is the one that brings us forth from the ground we are dead and now we are made alive like the way you plant a seed the seed has to die fast so that it can grow we are now born again we are now born of the spirit we are now born from above right that doesn't make us god because i'm thinking like you're just from saying okay jesus is one of the same spirit no but we are made in the image and likeness of god we can now even know god because we are born of the spirit right the spirit and and the spirit reveals to us the depths in the minds of god but now the idea and the the fact that we know god means we have eternal life like all these things are connected all these things are connected and i'm talking about that same seed that is in me is building me preparing me as the bride of christ to bear to give birth to fruit it's the holy spirit in me preparing me to give birth to fruit to holy food righteous fruit righteous deeds righteous works righteous acts the service love is a service love is action based the fruits of the holy spirit that's what i'm supposed to give birth to there is fruitfulness right there's a spiritual aspect i also believe god is telling me to prepare for a physical abundance right physically god is telling me to prepare the same way spiritually i'm supposed to actually intentionally walk in step with the spirit meaning i'm supposed to listen and obey for me to bear fruit for me to give birth to fruit to holy fruit i'm supposed to listen and obey to what the spirit says to the churches right in that same way for me to experience and receive abundance that god is i believe god is promising me god wants me to prepare by listening and obeying him what he tells me to do the instructions he tells me to actually take right
Okay. So I think I'm kind of answering this question. How was Sarah, the virtuous woman, supposed to prepare for the son of the promise? When it comes to Sarah specifically, like when it comes to the actual story of Sarah, Sarah lived her entire life until her old age without any children. Right? Meaning when it comes to the fruitfulness aspect of her womb, she could not bear children. She might have been fruitful in many other areas. We are told like she was fruitful when it comes to like her her and her husband's relationship. We are told that in First Peter chapter three, right? But when it comes to her womb, she was not fruitful. Now God promised Sarah and Abraham, but he promised her that she will bear a child. And through that child, there will be so many descendants. There will be a nation that comes from her. Now, how was God, how was Sarah supposed to prepare I believe she was supposed to bear the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Patience. Love. Right? Love. Joy. Loving God and loving your neighbor. I'm seeing obedience to God was not... was God, They disobeyed God and they also um, mistreated the foreigner. You see how God keeps on saying in his word, do not mistreat the foreigner, take care of the foreigner, Hagar, like in this case, Hagar is a foreigner, the foreign woman. So I'm seeing how she was not bearing the fruit of the Holy Spirit, love, joy. You see, it brought her sudden, the promise did not lead to joy. Like she did not. How do I say this? See like when it comes. How do you prepare an actual. How do you prepare the land. Before you plant the seeds. In the. In a garden or in the field. You have to prepare the soil. You have to make sure the soil is fertile. Now how. It's like. I think it's this thing people call waiting season. <laughs> keep on seeing everywhere waiting season waiting season i'm like okay this is a thing now the waiting period is the period where you're supposed to prepare the land where you're supposed to make sure the soil is fertile right so i think sarah going through the fruits of the Holy Spirit she was supposed to bear these fruits love joy joy right instead of prepare like um, cultivating that's what I wanted to I was looking for instead of cultivating joy instead she was cultivating the opposite of joy which is the opposite of joy anger she was angry at God and angry at her husband that she was not having children. Love, joy, peace. 
forbearance. No, forbearance is patience. Peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. You see all these things apply to Sarah and the situation. So, I think I'm answering my question. How was Sarah, the virtuous woman, supposed to prepare for the son of the promise? She was supposed to prepare in love, joy, cultivate love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control. And for these fruits to be cultivated, that means you have you you should have like you have already listened and hearkened to the voice of the Holy Spirit, listened and obeyed. What you're walking in step with the Spirit, hence why we can see the fruits of the Spirit. Like I think I studied about the yoke, right? Like a brief thing about how Jesus wants us to yoke ourselves to him to be yoked to him to walk in step with him he is our teacher he is the one who guides us you see how a yoke and the bulls a yoke is connected to this and to the to the bulls and the bulls they're used to um also also um in itwaje to cultivate the the field the land to um plow in plowing plowing the land while you're preparing the land before planting you yoke i mean i've seen this in kenya and other places of course but i'm just saying you yoke the two two bulls together so that the end oh my gosh it's connected to the zion you see how the zion was connected to nourishment i I've, i had been coming across a place where that plow that plow you see the yoke and then the metallic thing that's connected to the yoke that the bulls are pulling that is used to plow the land that z that it looks like a z like the old the old ones I'm sure nowadays they don't use the old ones, but um, we even have one in shags. But my point is, that thing, that metallic plow thing that the, the bulls pull, the bulls that are yoked to each other pull, is connected to the Zion. So all this, that's what I'm saying, all this is coming together. All this is coming together. Let me... No, and I said Zion, I'll... I'll I'll not come across him. Like Nita, but I a lot of things. Okay, okay, okay. So God is telling us. Okay, let me speak for myself. God is telling me to prepare the land. God is telling me to prepare the womb, stroke the land. By listening and obeying. To what the spirit says to me. I'm supposed to walk in step. With the one I am yoked to. To Christ. The spirit of Christ. So I also wrote down. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing. I'm just from talking about walking in step. And then I open the next page. I'm talking about 
walking. So today, today, this is an actual story. This is what happened today. <sighs> today I went to the shop and I was wearing Crocs. Crocs, I, I, I don't think, no, I haven't walked out of the house with these Crocs. There are some new Crocs. And I was like, okay, I mean, I'm comfortable, but I'm kind of feeling like there's a friction happening in my foot. And I was like, I'm not going back to the house. I'm just going to keep walking. So I went to the nearest shop. And what I was looking for, they didn't have enough of what I was looking for. So I bought what they had left, some of what they had. And then I decided to walk to the next supermarket. I mean, this was like a, um, an estate shop. So I wanted to like walk to the next supermarket. So I was like, okay, are my feet okay? I was like, yeah, I can do it. It's fine. So I walked to the supermarket. And while I was walking, I was like, I can feel the blisters forming. On both of my feet, I could feel them. They started becoming uncomfortable. <laughs> but I got to the supermarket and I bought the remaining nini. Uh, I bought what I wanted and some extra things. And I was like, okay, fine. So time to go back home. And I asked myself, Nanini, are you going to walk? And I was like, you know what? I think I can make it. I think I can't. <laughs> I started riding back home. I started walking back home. I think I can say like it's in the middle of Katikatia, the, the, the journey. I think I can call that like the middle part. Or maybe it was like, I don't know. I think it was the middle. In the middle of the car, the Kajani back home, I just could not take another step. I couldn't. The blisters were so painful on both of my feet. And the, the, the crocs were so hot. And it was not a hot day. It's actually very chilly here. It's very cold. So I was like, what's happening? Maybe it's the pavement that is hot. There. So I was like, gosh, my God. So I stopped a bike. You know, and then make up on a bike and then I went home. Imagine stepping off the bike into the gate of the estate and walking to our home. I just couldn't. I couldn't. I, I couldn't. I took the tiniest steps that I could manage. And I kept on stopping at like, after like four steps, I stopped. I stretch my two feet and stretch the blister and then I continue walking. Small, small steps. So anyway, so I've written down, I've walked today with the wrong shoes. I've highlighted the wrong shoes and I've gotten terrible blisters, terrible blisters. I had to take a bike home and then I've written down, I think I can learn something from this regarding today's study prepare. Before I walk, how should I prepare my body and how should I prepare my feet? It's the same question of how is Sarah supposed to prepare her womb and her body when it comes to her experience.
wanting to give birth. Right? I'm supposed to walk in step with the spirit. How am I supposed to do that? I should at least know who the spirit is. Know who he says he is. Know him. Right? Know his character. Because there are deceiving spirits out here. There are deceiving spirits. The angel disguises himself as an angel. The, the devil disguises himself as an angel of light. Right? There are many voices. I need to understand who is the right voice that I should listen to. So, before I take those steps, I need to know who I'm yoked to. I was yoked to my feet, my shoes today, to the Crocs. And they they were a bad choice. They were a very bad choice to walk in. To walk every step in. They were the bad choice. They gave me blisters. Now, is that what will happen when I walk in step with the Spirit? No. No, but when I walk in step with my own spirit, my flesh, and the spirit of the prince of the world, the spiritual powers and rulers and authorities of the heavenly realm, the evil spirits, they will give me blisters. They will bring infertility. They will bring death to my walk. My journey will take 50 times more more time than it's supposed to take for me to get to where I'm supposed to go because they will take me on detours. I'll have to stop to stretch the blisters. I'll have to get sick. These spirits make people sick. But when I follow the true spirit, the living spirit, the holy spirit, when I'm yoked to that spirit and I walk in step with that spirit, he promises to be gentle. Jesus, because the Holy Spirit is the spirit of Christ. They are one with Christ. Jesus promises, let me search yoke 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 let me see the law was a yoke Jesus yoke Matthew chapter 11 verse 25 to 30 this is how Jesus promises will he give me blisters let me see Matthew chapter 11 verse 25 to 28. At that time Jesus said, I praise you Father, Lord of heaven and earth, because you have hidden these things from the wise and learned and revealed them to little children. Yes Father, for this is what you are pleased to do. All things have been committed to me by my Father. No one knows the Son except the Father and no one knows the Father except the Son and those to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, 
and I will give you rest. We are back to rest and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and humble in heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So I think today's experience, my feet are still in pain. I still have blisters. But I think I've learned something that's connected to me preparing. Right? I need to pick the right shoes. I need to pick the right teacher. I need to pick the right master to learn from. Right? I'm about to like wrap this up. In my notes I wrote down, before the Israelites left Egypt to the promised land, they had to prepare. They were about to trek. Remember the Israelites went into the wilderness? And they were, they were, um, what do you call them? What do you call them? Uh, um, those who moved from one place, they were nomads. They were nomads. Although they had a destination, like they had a, um, a destination that they were hoping to get to, but they were nomads. They, they were walking. They were not in cars. They were not in aeroplanes. They were not in bicycles. They were walking. So it's important to choose who, which God to follow. God was guiding them in the front and protecting them in the back. But again, he was guiding them. They were walking in step with God in the wilderness to get to the promised land. They were promised the promised land. God was preparing the Israelites in the wilderness for the promised land. I've written, oh yeah, I've written the story about Joseph. So this is my summary for Joseph's story. Joseph had to prepare Egypt for the famine. Before that, he was in the cell. Because of his gift that he had mastered, in brackets, hearing from God, he was chosen to interpret Pharaoh's dream, and he did. In brackets, mastery. Right? Again, mastery is action-based. He trusted God's voice so much that he that he trusted that every interpretation he was going to give was God giving the interpretation through him. He mastered the art of listening to God's voice and obeying God's voice. And that in 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 step like the fact that he mastered listening and hearing God's voice that is what made him a good dream interpreter that is what made his gift to be sought after who is your source Who is your master? Who are you listening to? 
I've also written, God wants Pharaoh, in brackets, he wants Egypt of what is about, what he's about to do, which is bring the famine. The same way God wants Noah of what he was about to do, which was bring the flood. Noah's preparation included building. Noah's preparation included, I've written in brackets, mastering the art of building, mastering. For that boat to float, it needed artistry. Noah needed to know what he was doing when it comes to building the ark. And it took years. Okay. I've written, Joseph was 30 years. I saw this and I was like, oh gosh, I'm turning 30 next year. And then I came across this part when I was reading Joseph's narrative. Joseph was 30 years old when he entered the service of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt. When he interpreted Pharaoh's dream and Pharaoh immediately like told him, okay, you're the one we've been looking for. You're the one for the job. Literally, after, after me, Pharaoh, you're the one in charge. So, when that happened, when the abundance came upon Joseph, he was 30 years old. <laughs> I've just written down, that's, that's for me. That's just for me. Okay. And I've also, oh yeah, I've written down this part. Jesus telling his disciples, the harvest, the harvest, the fruit, the fruitfulness of the land, the harvest is large. But the laborers are few. Pray to the God of the harvest to send workers. Right? So again, yes, there's the abundance in the physical world that I live in. But there's also abundance in the Jerusalem from above. In the spiritual thing. Jesus is... I should not lose sight of the fact that the goal is to be in God's presence forever and ever. And the God that I serve wants me to love my neighbor as I love myself. Wants my neighbor to experience that same abundance. Being in God's presence is experiencing abundance. Right, being in God's presence is being in the garden of Eden, eating of the tree of life. Now, God doesn't only want me. God loves me, yes, but he doesn't only want me to experience that. He doesn't want anyone to perish. That's what we are told. God wishes no for no one to perish, but for all of us to experience abundance. But again, we have a choice to make. We have to freely choose him. We have to freely want to enter the promised land. Remember the Israelites? God was telling them, don't be afraid. You and you should enter the promised land. And after the spies, the 12 spies came back, 10 of them were afraid and started sending a bad report. And a huge chunk of the Israelites didn't want to enter the promised land. They didn't want to experience abundance. And then Joseph, Caleb, and a few, 
the next generation were the ones who experienced the abundance. It's a choice. Do you trust your master? Do you trust your teacher? Do you trust your leader? Do you trust God? Who is leading you into abundance, into himself? Jesus says, eat of me and drink of me and you will not go hungry or go thirsty. That's me paraphrasing a lot. Jesus is saying he is the abundance. He is the abundance. So in as much as I'm talking about this abundance and preparing for fruitfulness and preparing for a harvest physically, I also see it spiritually. I'm not, I should not forget that that is what matters. Because everything material will pass away. There will come new creation, a new heaven and a new earth. Right? So, that's what I, I, I remember this, Nini. Um, the harvest is large, but the laborers are few. So, I believe with a gift, excuse me, that's my stomach. I haven't eaten supper yet, it's nine. I believe with the gifts God has given his, the members of his body, his children. God wants us to use those gifts just like Joseph used his gift. And his gift brought abundance to the nations, to nations because the famine was in so many nations. The Bible says the famine was everywhere, but sometimes we don't know if it's like everywhere in there, like in the lands that they knew, but we're told like it was everywhere. Famine was everywhere. But Egypt, because of one man who listened and obeyed God's voice, right? Because of one man who mastered the gift that God gave him by listening and obeying God's voice. That land was blessed. That land experienced abundance. His family experienced abundance. I believe that's what Jesus is calling us to. You are the light of the world. You are the city on the hill. You are the daughters of the Jerusalem from above. You are the daughters of Sarah, the virtuous woman. The daughters of the free woman. You're the sons of the sons and daughters of the promise, right? You're the sons of the promise. Meaning the fruit that you bear should bring should bring people in to have a feast. You should welcome people to have a feast instead of instead of not being welcoming. I don't know what else to say. Because when people eat of your love, when people eat of the fruit of your love, the fruit that you're bearing of joy, they come to know the God who is love. They come to know the God who is joy, the God who is peace, the God who is rest. Through you, you are the laborers. We are the laborers that Jesus is telling us to pray that God increases the laborers. Right? So that came to mind. 
Also the ten virgins came to mind. Five who were prepared. You know, when the groom, the bridegroom found them prepared with oil, the Holy Spirit. Their lamps were not dry. Their lamps were not empty. They had extra oil for their lamps. The lamp that's supposed to shine a light. The bridegroom found them ready. But then there are other five of them that the bridegroom did not find them ready. And then he says, I do not know you. How am I sure that Christ knows me? That when he meets me, that when when my, that my time comes to meet Christ, that he will say, well done, my faithful servant. Or, or welcome, my bride. I know you, right? How sure am I? It's because I need to understand, am I quenching the spirit or am I listening and obeying what the spirit says to me? What the spirit says to the churches? Am I walking in step with the spirit? Am I actually eating of Christ? Eating of the fruit? The tree of life. Jesus is that tree. We are supposed to eat of him. Right? He has cleansed us. He has sanctified us. The more I consume, the more I know him. The deeper I know him because the Holy Spirit reveals to me the mind of Christ. So I am confident that when I meet Christ, he will tell me, well done, my faithful laborer. Well, well done, my, my daughter. Well done, my servant. Welcome, my bride. Right? So that came to mind. And it's all tied to preparing. Getting ready. Okay, let me read the last one. And then I go eat because my stomach. The other narrative I remembered was the widow and her sons. Her two sons. The widow who um, was asking Elijah. Elijah? Elijah to help her with money for the because the creditors had come and i've written down the widow and her sons had little oil left they were told to prepare themselves with as much and as many empty jars as they could ask for god is telling me nanini you need to prepare yourself with as many empty jars as you can not literally meaning there are these skills that have that have that that you have and there are these gifts that you have these are the empty jars make sure that you it's back to mastering but make sure that you're preparing your jars make sure that you're preparing your jars also also when it comes to the gifts and i'm talking like literally literally when it comes to me nanini as 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 the one offering my gift how easy 
am i making it for somebody else to experience my gift is it a smooth process like for example as a freelancer is it professional when somebody sees and experiences my work and my service is it a process that they want to experience again or is it like a terrible process and they don't want to experience my gifts again like you know what i'm saying how am i preparing myself to to accommodate their abundance how am i preparing myself I think my voice imenza could disappear. So I had these other verses written down. Second Timothy chapter three verse ten and second Timothy chapter four from verse one and then Titus chapter two verse eleven. I don't know if I should read all of them. Second Timothy chapter three verse ten. You Paul is telling Timothy you however know all about my teaching my way of life my purpose faith let me start from the opposite okay okay oh yeah let me start from verse 1 to verse 10 but mark this there will be terrible times in the last days people will be lovers of themselves lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power, having nothing have nothing to do with such people. Then I'll scroll down to verse 10. You however know all about my teaching, my way of life, my purpose, faith, patience, love, endurance, persecutions, sufferings, what kinds of things have what kinds of things happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, Lystra, the persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. In fact, Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. While evil doers and impostors will go from bad to worse, deceiving and being deceived. But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of, because you know those from whom you learned it and how from infancy you have known the holy scriptures. which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus all scripture is god breathed and is useful for teaching rebuking correcting and training in righteousness so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped for every good work let me repeat verse 17 so that the servant of god may be thoroughly equipped so that you may be thoroughly prepared for every good work right so how else do you also know god through the holy spirit and through the holy scriptures the word of god that he has revealed 
that's how you prepare um i'm going to jump to second timothy chapter 4 verse 1 i think it's the same thing that i've read from verse 1 to verse 8 in the presence of god and of christ jesus who will judge the living and the dead and in view of his appearing and his kingdom i give you this charge preach the word be prepared Oh, I had not seen this actually. Let me highlight that. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. What does that mean? Be prepared when there's abundance and when there's the, the time of famine. Be prepared when you're grieving and when you're experiencing joy after giving birth. Remember what Jesus told his disciples? Okay. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. But you... Keep your head in all situations. Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist. Discharge all the duties of your ministry. For I am already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time of my departure is near. I have, fought, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. There's a race that we are running. Before running, how have I prepared my feet? I have finished the race. I have kept the faith. Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Whew, okay. And then I'll read the last one, because I had read the other Titus. I'll read Titus chapter... Chapter 2, verse 11. Yes, it's this one. This is the last verse. Titus, chapter 2, verse 11. For the grace of God has appeared. And I, um, this appearing thing, you see I've read in the Timothy and in Titus. For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions and to live self-controlled, upright and godly lives in this present age while we wait for the blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Saviour, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us to redeem us from all wickedness and to purify himself for himself a people that are his very own, eager to do what is good, eager to do, eager to do righteous deeds, eager to do good works. Verse 15, these then are the things you should teach, encourage and rebuke with all authority. Do not let anyone despise you. <sighs> so that's all that I had in my notes. And I think I'm one step 
I've taken another step into understanding what God wants, how God wants me to prepare and what God wants me to prepare. Again, these studies are not like the final studies. These are really beginner studies for me in regards to understanding what God wants me to understand. So I think this is a good place to pause. Oh, should I read the dream? Should I read the dream about giving birth? Is that too much? <laughs> let me let me see. Let me pause and actually read the dream and see if I should read it. Okay, so I have read the I have read the dream that I had sent myself on March twenty fifth. When was this? March twenty fifth. But, uh, like, I don't know, I don't know. It, it's basically what I've been saying. But in other words, and in, in ways that I think only I will understand. But let me read a small part, because I, I woke up at 6.36 a.m., right? When was this? March 25th, 6.29 a.m. Yeah. And then I started studying. <laughs> I was like, yo, okay. Because in the dream, the baby that I... Uh, let me give some... Instead of reading everything, let me just give some, some points. <laughs> bullet points of the dream. So... I don't even know if it was a dream or because I was not like snoring asleep. I've never experienced like a vision, but I don't know. So I don't know if to say if it was a vision, but I was not like asleep. Like it was a dream. I woke up from a dream, but I remember I, it was so real. It, it was not me daydreaming because again, I also know about daydreaming. But anyway, I just call it a dream. So in this dream, I gave birth to a newborn baby. It, I knew it was me in the dream. And the baby's name, the baby had two names, Praise and Jeremiah in the dream. Right? I'm not saying these are, I don't have a child. I'm just saying, so in this dream, Praise and Jeremiah. But then the baby was, was, um, I've written, like, it's like I had given birth to a stillborn baby. But it was not stillborn, but the baby was not crying yet. Like, it's like, there was not life. So in the dream, I started praying for life. Because the doctors had given up. The doctors were like, okay, yes, you have given birth, but there's no life. So I took the baby and I started praying in the dream. Okay, I'm not going to read everything. I like... Uh, yeah i prayed i prayed and long story short it's like i was speaking life there's a lot there's a lot that i was praying for i started praying for every single thing from his head to his body to his brain and his brain cells and his nervous system and the muscles of his body his vocal cord his blood cells his body organs like i've written like i've been i was writing down everything that i was praying for and then I, I I was quoting the Bible before I formed you in your mother's womb. I knew you. Wake up, Jeremiah. Live. <clears throat> so these are some things I was saying in the dream. 
And then in the dream, I saw these legions of angels in in the bathing room, but at but outside the bathing room in Itwajio, what do you call it? The bathing room. Um the the maternity room i don't know let me call it a bathing room so i was in the bathing room right but then outside i could see inside there were legions of legions of angels like good angels but then outside it's like there were demons waiting to eat my child and i remembered revelation chapter 12 remember the, i'm remembering that now I didn't remember it in the it, right now. I've written in the dream. I've written um, in this text that I sent myself. I've written about the legions of angels and and also the the demons. But right now, when I'm reading this, I've remembered in Revelation chapter twelve, the woman that's about to give birth, the dragon is waiting to devour her child. So that's very interesting. So anyway, back to the dream. So after I prayed for the child, and I'm seeing the angels, and I'm the only one who's praying. For this child like it's like i'm the only one who has hope that my child will live so anyway like i it's like i'm prophesying over my child and i ended it like you will live and not die in jesus name amen and then my child started crying right he started crying and so he's alive now right and so the the legions of angels in the waiting room it's like while I was praying, my prayers were acting like weapons that were being used. I'm, I'm not saying this is how it happens. I'm just trying to explain a dream. <laughs> it's weird explaining a dream. It's like my prayers were weapons and it's like it was empowering the legions of angels to fight the demons outside them. The, pre- the bathing room it's like the more i prayed oh my gosh i'm reminded i'm reminded i'm reminded right now of daniel remember when daniel, daniel was praying and the angels the angel came to angel gabriel came to deliver daniel's answer and then he told daniel while you were praying the king of um greece attacked us and so we were fighting and even Michael came to help me fight the king. The prince of Greece, like that spiritual being, right? The devil was at- attacking me and preventing me from bringing you the answer. But Daniel was praying. So I think there's something there when it comes to what God is trying to tell me. When it comes to prepare. Wow, that's amazing. Because I think this is also tied to the armor of God. Wearing the shoes. Although the shoes are like for the good. Pro- nini, um, the laborers are few. And the laborers. Um, blessed are those who. Blessed are the messengers that bring the good news. There's something like that in the Bible. So I think that's the shoes of are tied to the good news. Evangelizing the word of God. But I think the sword of the spirit, the sword, there's the armor of God, the sword of the spirit is the word of God. 
And so the more, I believe the more I was praying in this dream for my child, I was using the sword of the spirit to fight back the demons that were trying to attack my child, to attack the fruit that I've birthed. You know what I mean? So anyway, after that, in this quote-unquote small study that I did um, after writing that down, after writing my dream, I looked for the meaning of the word Jeremiah. And it means Yahweh will raise. Jeremiah means is a male given name, meaning Yahweh will raise or God is high. And then I wrote down, I believe God is about to bring into life something that seems dead. That the name Jeremiah, I usually call that dream in my awake dream. So I've written the name, I believe God is about to bring into life something that seems dead. The name Jeremiah in brackets that in my awake dream I have given to my son means Yahweh will raise. So in connection to my dream, calling my child Jeremiah in that dream and him being born as like a stillborn or like a, a baby that has no life and me calling him Jeremiah, meaning Yahweh will raise. It's like Yahweh will raise from the dead. You know what I mean? I think there's a connection there. And so I went into like, okay, what does raise mean? Like R-A-I-S-E. And it means to lift or move to a higher position or level. Increase the amount, level or strength of. Right? To lift or move to a higher level. Then I wrote down the simple meaning of the word raise is to lift or move to a higher level or to increase the amount or, or level of something. So I, it was like God was telling me he's, God, he's about to lift me up or lift up. He's about to raise, right? And then I wrote another. Anyway, I, I, I made this study. So I think instead of reading everything, I think that's a summary of that dream that I had about giving birth it was intense it was the awake dream i think i'll call it a i usually call it awake dream my awake dream so i think that's a good place to pause not really pause but end the study because god wants me to prepare and understand that he has promised me the tree of pomegranates the huge pomegranate tree the fruitful pomegranate tree and it will continue bearing fruit in all seasons that's reminding me of revelation chapter 12 the tree of life that bears fruit in every season and its leaves are for the healing of the nations that's beautiful and so I should continue praying. I think pray is something that I had not tied to preparing. But God wants me to. Let me write that down so that when I read back my notes, I see prayer. 
enumerating cups, prayer. Pray. So that I remember. I'll study more pekeangu. Don't need to write that down, but prayer is a weapon. Because when God speaks, the devil comes to distort. That's how I started this season understanding what God is trying to tell me about his word. Every time God speaks life, the devil tries to come and speak death. God spoke life to Jesus saying during his baptism, identifying him as his son. And Jesus is taken to the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tested. And who does he find there? The devil. And what are the devil keep poking? The same words God spoke to Jesus. God said to Jesus, You are my son, with whom I am well pleased with. And then the devil kept asking, If you are truly God's son, if you are truly the son of God, if you are truly the son of God. We see that happen when God, like even with Joseph, because I've briefly studied Joseph's narrative when it comes to his dreams. It starts with us seeing that Joseph is given a dream that his family will eventually come and bow down to him. Right? They will kneel at his feet. They will bow to him. And what happens after God has spoken to Joseph he is taken as a slave by his own brothers who are acting as the seed of the snake, the offspring of the snake, the offspring of the slave woman. They have become Cain that wants to kill Abel because he is jealous. So again, it's the same narrative. But then Joseph remains firm. Because we kept we keep on saying God was with God was with God was with Joseph. God even when he's sold into slavery, God was with Joseph. When he gets into Egypt and he's taken by Potiphar, God was with Joseph. When Potiphar, when he becomes this great servant and builds up his master's house and his master's work, God was with Joseph. Potiphar's wife seduces him, tries to seduce him, and he says, I will not disobey God. How can I do this to God? God was with Joseph. Joseph is taken to prison because he is wrongfully accused of rape. God was with Joseph. That makes sense as to why he has become a master of the gift that God has given him. He has mastered that gift because he has stood he has stood by his God. Hence why he was prepared and ready when he was called to step up and prove if his God is a true God that actually reveals the, the dreams. And interprets dreams. Because all the other magicians had failed. 
God's, God, it's like God was put to the test when Joseph was brought before Pharaoh. The same way it's like God was put to the test when Moses was, was brought before, when Moses came to Pharaoh to tell him to let his, to let God's people go. Meaning it was between God, God was fighting the gods of Egypt. That's even what God says when he brings about the plagues. The plagues of Egypt, God was fighting. God was punishing the gods of Egypt. So in this same way, God, the God of Joseph, the God of Israel, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob, the God of Abraham. Jacob is Israel. So that God was 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 facing the gods of Egypt when he when Joseph faced Pharaoh so that's how I'm supposed to see myself in this walk since I claim to be a follower of Yahweh the one true living God I claim to be a follower of Jesus Christ that one true living God the Alpha and the Omega meaning everywhere I walk into I am representing that God can God trust me? <laughs> can God trust me to put me to can God trust me to how do I say this? Because we are in the world, but we are not of the world, meaning we will come into contact with people who are of the world people who are enslaved by the 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 this the spiritual rulers and powers and authorities and those spiritual powers and rulers and authorities will want they will attack they will attack because they will know that you are not of the world they already know the spirit that is in you when jesus sent the 70 or the 72 um disciples i don't remember exactly but i think 70 he had given them the authority to cast out those spirits to fight it was it's a fight between good and evil between god's spirit and the evil spirits that's why they came back saying yo even the spirits obey us in your name so i am is my forehead stamped when oh perfect remember the sons of joe the sons of something Joba, the sons of something. When Paul, Paul would cast out demons, right? And then these sons of somebody were like, yo, we're going to use this Jesus of who Paul believes, right? We're going to go in, it's like, it's like they're going in Paul's name, kind of. But they themselves don't have the spirit of God. But then they are going... It's like to they are going to uh, they are going to battle without the swords without the armor of God they are going to face the demons without the armor of God sons of Skiva let me sons of Skiva let me search Skiva Skiva Oh, perfect. <laughs> I thought I had missed any. Acts chapter 19 verse 11. 
So we are, we are trying to see what happens when you, who claims to be of God, born from above, when you face the spirits of the world, the prince of the world, if you are actually born from above, you will be successful when you have put on the arm of God. But if you're not born from above and you're going to face the prince of the world, the spirits of this world, you will be beaten. That's what happens to these sons of the skiver. Okay, this is the last thing I'm going to read. Acts chapter 19 verse 11 to 20. It's about preparing, right? God did extraordinary miracles through Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and the evil spirits left them. Some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Let me pause there. I'm, 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 I'm rewinding back to Moses and Pharaoh. When Moses went and told Pharaoh, God, I am who I am, wants you to set to, um, I'm paraphrasing, wants you to set his people free so that they may go and worship him. This is Pharaoh's response, if I can remember correctly. He says, I do not know that God. I don't know him. Doesn't mean that God doesn't exist. But he says, I don't know him. But then God proved, God revealed himself to Pharaoh. And eventually Pharaoh recognized who God was, right? Now, it's like a, a flip kind of. These sons of Sceva, who don't have the Holy Spirit in them to go and fight, are using what seems to work. What seems like, I think Paul was saying this. Let's see if this works. And then now this is what happened. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about. But who are you? <sighs> That's insane. Jesus, I know. Meaning Jesus can cast me out. Paul can cast me out. But you, you have no power, right? Jesus I know and Paul I know about. But who are you? Then the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them all, all seven. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. When this, came, when this became known to the Jews and Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all, they were all seized with fear and the name of the Lord Jesus was held in high honor. Many of those who believed now came and openly confessed what they had done. A number who had practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. Meaning they, were, they, they chose the side. Remember what Moses told the Israelites? Who is on the Lord's side? Separate yourself. Them burning the scrolls of sorcery and witchcraft, they were choosing God's side now. They picked a side. 
when they calculated the value of the scrolls and total the total came to 50,000 tra dramas if okay i'm going to eat in this way the word of the lord spread widely and grew in power okay i think i'm done god i trust you i trust that you have spoken to me and you have been speaking to me and i've heard your voice I believe that the Holy Spirit who is in me is greater than the spirit who's in the world. You have promised, Lord, that thousands will fall on my left and on my right, but death will not touch me. I'm praying the same for my family. I'm praying that you cover and protect us with the blood of Jesus, each and every one of us. You are the one who knows the hearts of men. You know our hearts. You know when we are sincere and when we are lying. You know when we are trying and when we are, when we are failing and when we are not trying. I pray, O oh God, that for those sheep that have gone astray, I pray, O oh God, I'm reminding you, you've told us to remind you of your word. I'm reminding you, God, that you have said that you leave the 99 and go after the one. May your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Help us to prepare God. You are the master that we are learning from. Help us to prepare well. Help us not just to prepare, but help us to prepare well. And when we give birth, praying that your breath of life breathes into the fruit of our womb, the children that we bear. May they live and not die. It's in Jesus' name I pray, trusting and believing. Amen. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Hopefully you'll be joining me every Tuesday for new episodes of The Trying Podcast. Stay safe, guys. Bye.